0: At LuckyLandslots.com Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions. Supply. Hello and welcome to the second episode of this brand new podcast we're doing, Brighton Rock. With me, Russell Guyver, and you... Peter Marsh. Yes, Peter. Hello. How are you doing? Not too bad yet. Yes, yourself? yeah. Yourself? Yeah. Yeah, not too bad. Recovered from last week's episode, all right? just about. (laughs) Excellent. Took me until today. Well, there we go. So anyone that has been listening um, will know that we were talking last week about season in review so far, the decade as it's gone, and various other things. What I noticed we didn't say last week was to explain our name, Brighton Rock. you probably guessed half of it already. Brighton being the team of course we support, the area that I'm from, more or less, and Peter's dad is from as well. But in terms of... Um, the name itself, Brighton Rock. Well, you've got Brighton Rock, the book, and subsequently film, which I thought were brilliant. You haven't read those yet, have you, Peter? Sadly not, you've no. Got to check them out. They're great. So there's that in its own right as a tribute. But also we thought Brighton Rock works in two ways in terms of the football team. We could be rocking as in doing really well, or we could be rocking as in really wobbling and doing badly. So I thought it fits quite nicely, just to explain that one. Uh, second thing we wanted to say was... Um, the thing about uh, Potable, you said you weren't going to mention Potable and you didn't like the expression. You've mentioned it a number of times <laughs> last week. Oh dear, you've let yourself down, Peter, haven't you? I'm very ashamed of myself. <laughs> I think once, I, once it was opened, you know, once Potable was
1: kind of like mentioned, I was, couldn't stop it myself after a while. <laughs> but, you know, it's not too bad. With it's... the help of a few drinks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and on the subject of Brighton Rock, I was thinking, really, um, naming decades, we, always had the, we had the roaring 20s 100 years ago. I think we should change it to the Rocking 20s. What do you think? In, Great idea. tribute that's to that. our new podcast. Definitely I think well, the,
1: our new podcast should be the, yeah, the yeah. name of
0: the, the podcast of the decade. Definitely. <laughs> and maybe the Albion can rock in the way we want them to and not the other way. Champions League winners. Who knows? <laughs> mm, okay, <laughs> steady on there, fella.
1: <laughs> Anyways, Got ten years, yeah, you know. It could happen, it could
0: happen. <laughs> anyway, so that, that's, that's us. and uh, I wanted to talk also about one of the subjects that came up last week. We were talking about the decade in view and look at uh, our highlights and we were talking about the players of the year. Humbly apologetic to any fans of Leonardo Ajaura out there. Who's that man? from Argentina we forgot who he was uh, we didn't mention him at all I don't know why that oversight occurred does
1: prove that we were doing it live though exactly we'd have, had, we'd have literally otherwise had him on the top of the list almost exactly
0: so. he'd certainly have made our squad so honorary mention to him in fact we're adding him into the squad I don't yeah. know who we're kicking out Southend, I think Ashley Barnes was up there wasn't Barnes, he last week Yeah, he can go the bench yeah, yeah, Barnes is on the bench. Although so.
1: Ajora Murray may be the most immobile strike force of all time, possibly.
0: Possibly, I like an immobile strike yeah. force once in a while, but there <laughs> we go. <laughs> anyway, um, subjects today, we're obviously going to talk about the game that's just occurred at the weekend, the Everton match. Um, Peter's shaking his head he doesn't want to talk about that um, admittedly he didn't see the game so that's part of the reason but uh, yeah we'll have a, have a brief chat about that and then we're going to talk about a few other issues um, so starting with Everton obviously a 1-0 defeat yet again we've failed to get a victory there
1: although technically our best result there in the Premier League
0: yeah that's true we're narrowing it down aren't we <laughs> bit by bit eventually
1: down. in like five years time we might get a 0-0 draw yeah a slender, a
0: slender defeat I'll take that right now as long as we get the draw next year and the win two years later Anyway, um, so yeah, we've had a couple of draws there before, and that's the best we've done. Again, we've lost three years in a row now there in the Premier League. Disappointing. I mean, you didn't see the game. I watched it just on the stream. Actually, I'd, I couldn't get to the game. I mean, overall summary was I thought we we, we were quite poor. We didn't play very well. Um,
1: that's pretty much what I've read online. That's what they. There was no real, the stats yeah. back that up as well. We didn't return really
0: up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in essence, I think that was that was it. We we were struggling a bit with. Um, I think getting into the game, getting, um, really getting a, a chance to impose ourselves on the opposition, they were clearly out to prove a point after mm. a bad week. There's been a lot of criticism of that performance that Everton had against um, Liverpool's um, uh, adolescents, whatever you want to call them. Um, but ultimately, they had made quite a good inroad, I think, in the last few weeks. So that was more of an anomaly, and I think it was something that spurred them back into action, really, last weekend. I thought they were going to come out and give a performance, and they did. Um, they look good. They look decent. Look pretty similar to the last time we played them, to be honest. Very similar to that. And that was the only game I think this season, the the home game with Everton, where we've got more points than we deserved. Yeah, so,
1: I completely agree yeah. there. We kind of we were not looking at getting anything until the penalty, and yeah. I mean, but you've got to look at as well at Everton's team and the amount of money they've spent on their team, and you know, the fact that people are moaning online and other yeah. areas about losing to Everton. Yeah, it's like they've been Premier League top flight for. The second longest of all teams, I think, and they've yeah. they've got you know a forty million pound players, and hmm. you know it's
0: they've got teams. there's a c- number of teams like that who you they look massively at massively underachieved. They yeah, yeah, you can you can look at West Ham to a degree. You can certainly look at Everton. You can look at. Um, Arsenal obviously and teams like that have not not been doing well Well, Villa
1: considering money they spent in the summer
0: yeah they spent like 125 million in the summer didn't they or something underachievement is prevalent in the Premier League because getting all those components right isn't easy you can have a good squad and you still have to make them work well Um, contrary to that normally Sean Dyche would be the antithesis of that although he's not doing so well this season now Eddie Howe the same but um, more on that later but yeah in terms of the game I think Everton deserved to win I have no complaints about the result I think we did improve in the second half, particularly in the last 15 to 20 minutes. I think the substitutions helped. I think Alzate made a difference. He looked quite busy and quite productive mm. when he came on. Um, I think Trossard had a pretty poor first half in the beginning of second half. Um, as the game wore on, what happened was, he, uh, particularly when Alzate had come on, he started to have more of an influence in the game. He was getting into attacking positions on the left in more detail, he was starting to create things, he was starting to show a bit of freedom of movement and getting a bit of com- confident expression going, and he was starting to look like somebody that could have made a difference in the game. Mm. Ultimately, in, in one instance, he nearly did. He had that brilliant bit of um, cutting inside, shooting, beating the goalie, hit the crossbar, went out. Another day, that's a, that's a worldie, it's an yeah. equaliser, we get a really good point. But, you know, he did have a poor first half. That second half... I think it was prior to the crossbar hitting incident, there was one bit where he was in a tight space with two or three players around him, and he did a three or four kind of movement pull back and jinking uh, effort, <laughs> for want of a better word, uh, where he, he worked himself some room, laid the ball off and created for himself a rather tame shot in the end, but it was a really good effort to, to create himself the space in the first place. Um, there was also one other highlight, was Dunk, played another drilling long ball, which went to Morpay, who was laid off to Trossard. Trossard neatly played it in for Gross. Gross tapped it across goal, and it just came to nothing, unfortunately, in the end. But a couple of really snappy moves. I think we've still, when all said and done, whatever disappointments we may have and in terms of results and performances, I think that we've got some really good, snappy, progressive footballing passing mm. systems going on, We can look really good in games, and we just need to find a greater consistency with that. I think we need to start from the beginning more often in that fashion.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, because actually the last few games, substitutes have made a difference. Chelsea, they did. Yeah. Um, One or two others, and I'm, yeah, it's, on the one hand, a really good thing that substitutes have been made and made a difference. On the other hand, it's, Hmm. why are we not starting that well? What's going on?
0: Yeah. So it's
1: a, yeah, it's a two, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I two-edged sword exactly and if there's kind of a microcosm of that which is Trossard you could say is almost a microcosm of the team in terms of he sometimes starts slowly or he doesn't start uh, literally and comes off the bench he's, he's been better off the bench than when he started yes, generally um, I think. So, yeah. yeah, and I think um, that's kind of true of the Albion as a whole but we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see how he goes he's in development obviously and so is the team but we'll, we'll yeah. see yeah, but I wanted to go through a few points about the game itself. So, I mean, the first thing of significance that came up fairly early in the game, I think it was about 10 minutes in, I'm not sure, was the penalty incident. Um, now, I don't know if you've seen that back at all. No, I, I,
1: was... I read we were a little bit lucky, possibly, yeah. online.
0: I think that's an understatement, yeah. I mean, I thought that was a stonewall penalty. I mean, Everton have had some bad decisions <laughs> against us. I know you, you said that should have been a penalty in the Aaron Conley incident, but certainly they felt hard done by by that. So there must have been, in particularly... <laughs> gutted to then find that Lewis Dunk had effectively checked the run and the, the body shape of his opponent who was breaking through. He was in on goal. I uh, think it was Walcott, wasn't it? it was in, and, I think so, yeah. And he, he was, he was in, in on goal. It was definitely a goal scoring opportunity. It's one of those situations that would have been the double jeopardy scenario if given before because it would have been a red card and a penalty. Um, under the current rules, it would have just been a penalty, but uh, I think it certainly was one in essence. He, he affected the run of the player. We complained about Montoya at Palace. This was a more pronounced version of the same thing. Albeit it was you know, affecting his upper body rather than his, his foot. But still the same basic principle. That was a clear-cut penalty for me. They should have got it. May have made their victory more comfortable. But, um, you know, we, we got away with one. Unfortunately, it didn't actually make a difference to the result. You want our lucky bits to actually be lucky-lucky. But... Uh, well, that wasn't the case. Anyway, the game went on. Eventually, they got their goal. It's our man, Richardson. He likes scoring against us. Was that an own goal when he got that uh, supposed opener against us at uh, the Amex? I can't remember that. No, we... Yeah. we can't remember. Didn't he score against us? And... Uh, I can't remember now. But uh, anyway, he seems to be a, a bit of a bugbear of ours. And in that... Yeah, I mean, it was a good goal, to be fair. There's not much from what I saw, that we could have done about the goal. It's just a quality bit of play, really good footwork, worked a bit of space for himself. Having done so, he took the chance pretty quickly, curled it right in the corner, couldn't have been better placed, and all in all, just it's, it's a good goal. It's, it's one of them, rather than a bad mm. goal to concede. You could, looking back at it, I think argue that Adam Webster potentially could have been slightly quicker, slightly sharper in the uptake to try and close a bit of the space off for where he shot the ball, but... I think that would be quite harsh to say that, really. It was difficult. He didn't really expect it to be so well placed. And no complaints, really. Definitely a legitimate goal as well. So that was 1 0. Uh, the second half, as I mentioned earlier, we improved, which is great. Trossard certainly got better as the game wore on. I think Duffy had a good game in general. I think he was, he was pretty decent. Um, Webster has come in for a lot of criticism recently. I thought he was quite decent in this game. There was a couple of mistakes, but they weren't too critical. Um, As I said, I don't think you can blame him for the goal, Mm. and um, he looked like he gained a little bit more confidence, I'm not sure if other people would agree with that, but he he looked a little bit more comfortable in that game, and Dunk, um, apart from that penalty incident, which he should have been conceding a penalty there, um, apart from that he had a solid game, he had that drilled long ball that I mentioned, which could easily have been part of a really good goal, Uh, he was solid enough I suppose, Um, not too bad. we had the disallowed goal, of course. I think that was the correct decision, unlike the uh, the penalty incident. Um, it was a handball. It just hit the the very upper part of his arm, mm. almost up to shoulder. It did make the difference. It was a telling factor in the ball going over the line. Um,
1: Which is a big difference to the rules at the moment, that they've changed the rules so that any handball, whether accidental or on purpose, that leads to a goal is a, yeah, a that's handball. It. Whereas defensively, there's slightly different rules around it. And
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he certainly looked... Um, he, he looked pretty disappointed he looked a bit incredulous about the decision but ultimately I think it was the right decision um, there was a very was
1: it, was it West Ham Sheffield United was a very controversial handball disallowed goal yeah for the weekend as well yeah. In a, in a
0: yeah the West Ham one was one of those ones where as Declan Rice had, uh, the, the ball came across it ricocheted onto his arm which was not up in an unnatural um, yeah. position and he ultimately it just nudged off his arm in the way that could have just nudged off his body yeah. and torso and it wouldn't have made a difference. Um, in essence and in spirit, I think that should have been a goal. Under the rules, though, I think they got it right. Yeah, it I, do, I do get
1: why they have changed it for attackers and not defenders. On the other hand, though, is it any different if you have a goal st- ball struck at goal and you block it like with, with your yeah. hands against your side than if you score as a result yeah. of it? I mean, it's still the same effect that it's one goal off. You yeah. know, in effect, so I don't, I don't really yeah. agree necessarily that it's goal you either should have it the same situation for both. I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, goal concessions for a team are just yeah. a bigger thing from their point of view as goals yeah. scored for the opposition. Yeah. And. So if I block
1: it with my hands yeah. t- close to my chest, it's no, it's it, it's it's as much advantage to me defensively as it is if I if I score as a result of it. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's right because you you hear about goal saving saves from, from, yeah. from goalkeepers and you know it's seen as they if they've won a point or something like that and. Ultimately, the same thing's happening. If someone yeah. gains an advantage from a defensive handball, they're able to then clear it. Nothing's done. And what could have been, in some cases, a certain goal is uh, prevented. So, yeah. But, you know, I, I think it was the right decision to disallow that. Um, Everton still got what they deserved from the match, so that, that's that. But I was pleased, at least we you know, we did improve in the second half overall. Um, the only other thing to mention, really, on the game is the man of the match. I mean, for me, giving man of the matches out... It tends to be traditional if you're at a game uh, or if you're chatting in a thing like this to, to just give man of the match to your best player. But for me, I'm, I'm actually going to buck that trend. I think I'm just going to go with the man of the match. And I do think on this occasion that does go to an Everton player. I think Bernard, who has been a bit flaky in recent weeks, was certainly back on form. He was running a lot of what went on in midfield. There was a lot of through balls. There was a lot of initiatives, a lot of turns, creation of space. Uh, reverse passes. He, he was the driving force in the field and most of what was good about Everton's forward play came through him. And I think I would give him the man of the match. I don't think there was a standout for Brighton anyway. So I don't feel there's anybody from mm. Brighton's point of view that I would give it to. I think Duffy, if anybody, if you, you know, putting a gun to my head, I'd probably say he had a fairly solid game in general. Um, other players only had a good half. So. But Bernard was was the man of the moment overall, so um you know I think that was that was that's was fair enough overall. We move on, you know at least we've got now a set of games coming up, which we'll talk about later in preview, um where we hopefully we can we can pick up points where we've uh, we've missed out in recent weeks, so we'll we'll see how that goes <coughs> uh, but anything um i mean I, I didn't really read much of the press post match. Did you hear anything? No, a
1: lot of the bits. The bits I read similarly backed up what you were saying, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Bernard yeah. was the one who ran the show, basically, and.
0: Yeah! Yeah.
1: Yeah, we were. We were probably fortunate if anything to lose one nil rather yeah. than slightly more.
0: Yeah, I think in summary, I'll just say that I think we need to learn to dictate earlier and more often in games a little bit more than we're doing. I'm still yeah. positive about Potter and uh, and possible Peter. <coughs> <laughs> the but disappointment, I think, in a way, was
1: possession stats. Because we
0: were very low on possession, and
1: considering generally mm. under Potter, we've been very high, even in games, games like I think Man City, we got forty-seven percent, which mm. you know, yeah. we, we, it, it unheard of. And we were going yeah, to teams right. and getting more possession away from home. And yeah, yeah. So, so Everton away to to get the. I think we got quite a low possession in the end. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's all good, and um, we'll move on. We'll see how it goes, stand or fall, and all that. Well, next on the agenda, we wanted to talk about the transfer roundup. We're going to do this each week during the transfer window. Don't you love a January transfer window, Peter? It's amazing. (laughs) I can't wait for it to slam (laughs) shut. Anyway... um... It's getting a bit cold, that's why. Yeah, you've got to get get the the heating in, haven't you? Um, Right, so... We've, we've had a few things come up this week and in the last few days. Um, first of all, this week we've been hearing, and this is the, the newest of the items on the agenda, Hwang Hee Chan, I think he's called, from Salzburg. Um, he's been linked with us. Um, this has come from Raphael Honestine, Rafi Honestein, who's a um, sort of renowned European football expert, uh, he's a German guy, so he, he particularly focuses on Germany and, and Austria. This guy is in Salzburg, in Austria. Um, he's going to be 24 later this month. He's, 100 and, he's 1.77 metres tall, which I think we were discussing is just under 6 foot, is Yeah,
1: that right? probably
0: 5'11", yeah. 5'11", something like that. He's scored 6 goals in 24 this season, which in the Austrian League maybe isn't that impressive, but he's also, um, he's also been responsible for 7 assists, early days maybe as well. Um, I'm presuming you haven't heard of him.
1: I'm not yeah I've, if, until today I've not really heard of him I've not seen much of the European stuff this season so I've yeah, not yeah. I can't say I know him well obviously he's been from a little bit of reading I've done earlier he, he's been playing alongside obviously Haaland who's gone yeah. to uh, uh, Dortmund, Dortmund, Dortmund yeah. and uh, yeah, Maritimo who Maritimo? Minamino Minamino yeah. that's it yeah, he's, he's Maritimo, is a, Maritimo, like Maritimo <laughs> is a team in like Portugal <laughs> isn't it? yeah. Uh, Minamino who, who's obviously of <laughs> Liverpool yeah, but a yeah. very bargain price
0: the yeah. <laughs> yeah so i think ultimately it might be tricky because they've lost minamino they've lost uh, Haaland. they probably don't want to lose third star i assume he's up to a certain point of start in the team in this window uh, that would be quite tough going for them if you were a Salzburg fan you'd be pretty gutted with that wouldn't you um so i don't know if we'll get him now there is talk of Possibly getting him and then loaning him back, which would be better than nothing if we think he's good enough for for the future.
1: It's a lot of money to spend, though. Judging by the amount they're talking about to loan back, I mean, he's yeah. so comfortably. Oh, it's, what was it? Twenty-seven, 27 mil to a million. Yeah, so yeah, comfortably, our transfer record to loan back for the season would be. Mm. I would question the logic of that, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, um, I mean, so I, I'm not sure if that would happen. If it does happen, how it would happen, but. I think...
1: There's also rumours of Wolves and Leicester being interested, so I've been like... Right,
0: yeah. Apparently we've been tracking them for a while, so have Wolves, so have Leicester, and I think Everton as well, in fact. Um, it seems that us and Wolves are more advanced in our interests and our, uh, our thinking on this matter from what's being said in the press, but... And we'll Wolves have
1: just uh, sent back their Italian striker, Catroni, yeah, to Fiorentina, yeah, I think. has gone. So me, yeah. um, that so, could be, obviously, they've got the money from that. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens on that one. Interesting. I don't know much about him. I've seen Solskjaer play, but I can't really remember. I remember Minamino and Harlan Stanley out. I guess, in a way, that's maybe not a good sign, but I didn't notice him as much. But Apparently, yeah.
1: he scored a goal against Van Dijk against Liverpool. So when oh, well, they beat Van Dijk. <laughs>
0: Yeah, especially yeah. with us still to play him. But anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens on that one. So that's, that's one that's uh, just come up recently in the last day or two. Uh, the second one, in the opposite direction, is the rumours of Dunk potentially going out. Obviously, through the years, we've had loads of rumours of Dunk potentially going out. Um, he's a Chelsea fan through and through. Uh, he's probably a Brian fan as well, due to his association in the way that a lot of players are if they stay with clubs for a long time, and he is a local boy. But ultimately, he's got an affiliation with Chelsea. Apparently, they're interested. He apparently models his game on on John Terry. What do you think? Is is this going to happen, and is it going to happen in this window, Peter? What do you think?
1: It's a very tough one, isn't it? uh, I mean, if Chelsea came in with an offer we can't refuse, I I, I would... It's an in- the debate is interesting because whether Chelsea would want Dunk when they've got the offer on the option on Ake yeah
0: is
1: an it's a surprise because Ake I think is forty million they've got yeah, the offer on yeah, for him right. and I think it would take at least that to get Dunk now Ake is three years younger than Dunk I think I looked to earlier Is that twenty four and Dunk's twenty seven yeah I think that's right I think so Dunk's from 28 there he's twenty eight now yeah. so yeah. so four yeah. years younger potentially yeah. um so they have to rate Dunk quite a lot higher than Ake. Potentially pay. I mean, I, I would say probably given the Maguire situation in the summer and how much we pay for Webster, we'd be looking for towards fifty million probably. Hmm. I mean, it. You know, it's it all guesswork, obviously. But you consider Webster Webster went for twenty and Maguire went for eighty something like that. Yeah, that's right. Eighty um, million. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm, still, I'm
0: still cringing at that. But at it s-
1: sets the bar. I was I was chatting with hmm. a mate of mine who's a Chelsea fan earlier, and he was saying it's ridiculous, and Maguire was overpriced. But whether Maguire was overpriced. They set the bar with the bar was set with that that though mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah. And to, to be fair, Woodward did spend a few months negotiating the deal down from eighty million to eighty million. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> it's important he's, to do that. just it's yeah, a key done, part he's of his job. He's done
0: well, he's played the long game. You know, it yeah. worked out well. Leicester
1: lost out massively. I mean, they've not got a replacement at all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I do love Sionchu. Who's, who's definitely I'm not so. better it's than Maguire. Me. Oh, it's a great <laughs> player. I mean, Maguire, I think his um, his stats. He's still got more completed passes and Dunk I think but apart from that I think Dunk stacks up pretty favourably to him yeah. which says it all I mean for me as an Albion fan I would say I wouldn't want to sell him for less than 60 million if we're talking realistically I think 40 million is too low um, I agree in I think between always... is probably the realistic I mean, I think the idea of any of our
1: players going for 40 million is ludicrous but yeah. probably given the market and given he's an English centre half
0: Yeah, yeah then who knows speaking of which Forty million is the figure that I believe was mentioned somewhere in the press. Napoli apparently interested in Neil Morpay for forty million, who we paid about twenty million for. Broadly speaking, doubling our money in six months on a player who scored seven Premier League goals. I like Morpay, but that's phenomenal, isn't it? It is. <laughs> but we any...
1: we've got to replace him. I think yeah, is I the think. answer. Where you you've got to look yeah. at it there. I mean, it's yes, it's forty million, but it's forty million putting our Premier League status at risk. Yeah, exactly. Because we leave ourselves with Connolly who has been in and out quite a lot recently with Knox and issues and Murray as our two forwards. Yeah. yeah. So I don't in a way you could argue it's like ridiculous money, but it's also Hmm. our main player. Similar reasons why Palace won't sell Zaha, you know, for all the fact that if someone offered fifty million for crazy money, that would lead them massively at risk of relegation. So that's why they want seventy allegedly.
0: Yeah, and I mean for Palace you'd think even even hang-dogging around the pitch for the rest of the season, they'd probably get some productive yeah. benefit out of keeping But he did
1: nothing him. against us for seventy minutes, and then suddenly from still nowhere, one on the point. Yeah, yeah. So
0: and unfortunately, that is the, that's the issue. He can still do it for them. Yeah. I think they would grind it out to the summit, personally, but I hope they sell in the fall then, because um, that would be nice. More chance of us finishing above them. And what about tongue? Yeah, exactly. Well, this is the thing going on about more pay. Don't the same. It's a big risk to sell any of our major assets in January mm. because you're in the middle of the season, uh, it upsets the apple cart, it has potential risk value in terms of uh, if you can get a suitable enough replacement in or if you've got enough backup already in place. As you look at it, we've got a little bit of an injury issue. Burn, unfortunately now, albeit he was playing at left back, is ultimately at centre back. He's been injured, he's out for a number of weeks. I don't think Balogun stacks up, does he, really? Um, other people are makeshift, apart from, obviously, Duffy, who's, who's there. But he's potentially got some kind of a groin injury, we're hearing, possibly. I'm, I don't know if you've heard about that, but there's yeah. maybe some minor niggle there. But also, with groin injuries, in the past, we've had groin injuries, and they've turned out to be rather more annoying than just a week yes. or two affairs. So that's a worry. Ben White is obviously a fantastic prospect, and in principle, I think he could possibly fit the bill... A half season, we're dunk there, uh, we're dunk going from there, and um, maybe, but that's not an option, apparently, we can't recall him till the summer, mm-hmm. even if we wanted to, so that leaves us short on options, and um, I wouldn't want to get rid of dunk, uh, unless A, we got 50 mil plus, and B, on the proviso that we can maybe loan in a quality centre back, who can yeah. do a job for six months, until White's available, or we deem another replacement, well, I think um, either way so we'd
1: need an extra replacement even if White came back. I think we'd need more yeah, options. That's right, yeah. But so I think Belogan will go in the summer, I would say, and Yeah, so we I think so.
0: There's a number of people who go Balogun, probably Bond, probably Scalotto. There's a few others. Scalotto was on the bench yeah. by the way on Saturday but at least
1: one of on the keepers I'd say. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think so. Well they've got three to come back or when when Morton comes back who yeah. are who are back up. That's right. And I actually wouldn't mind seeing someone who's maybe a bit more challenging to Ryan as well. Yeah, indeed. Because if Ryan got a knock, we're just you know, we literally had three keepers who were all probably reserve keepers rather than yeah, first choice or options for first choice.
0: Yeah, we've got two prominent goldies on loan, Wharton and Sanchez. Sanchez, by all accounts, is doing well at Rochdale. Wharton, I haven't actually followed in enough he detail. He seems to
1: be doing pretty well generally. He's doing
0: all right, is he? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to do a feature, by the way, in due course on uh, the loanees. Just monitoring how they're doing, give you an update on how they're doing and some insights if we can. Um, that's coming up in future episodes by the way. Anyway, moving back on to the transfer matters. Um one of well, one of the other ones is to do one of the loanees actually, McAllister. Uh, he's obviously we signed him from Argentinos Juniors. I think he was stayed on loan with them for a while. He's subsequently gone on loan this season to Boca Juniors, they've just finished their uh, their season, it's on the calendar year. Um, and obviously going into the second half of our season, the first half of their season in Argentina, as I understand it, he's going to stay with them. That's the plan. But it's well, it seems to be the case from reports we're hearing in the Argentine press that he wants to stay and wants to make it permanent. Have you heard this? And what I, I've
1: seen it? the rumours, yeah. If I, if I regard a lot of that with a pinch of salt anyway because mm. I've, there's been comments like that, but then there's been, I think it was some quote from his dad recently that he's expected to be in England in the summer yeah. Um, so, who knows what the truth is? On the one hand, we don't want a uh, Perth player here who doesn't want to play here. Yeah. On the That's other hand, we don't want to be ripped off and, you know, some other team try and take, take advantage of the fact that he wants to be there by offering quite a lot lower than we paid.
0: Yeah, I mean the danger is that if they engineer a scenario where, you know, the, the player wants to leave, they want to have him and they manage to handle down on the price. I'm confident that Uncle Tony can do the best for us in terms of negotiations. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Based on circumstance, it may be difficult in certain respects, but we'll see how it goes. But it's um, a bit of a frustration because his star is rising uh, quite rapidly. Um, He was, by all accounts, going to be ready in terms of work permits and stuff like that to be potentially available for next season. It was looking like he would be someone that could come into the equation for yeah. the beginning of next season. And
1: if the story is true, it makes you wonder why you signed for us in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I obviously mean, money must yeah. play a part, but yeah. if he really didn't want to leave Argentina, why sign for a?
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess things change as well. You can get more settled over time, I guess. Maybe he's developed a love that was just a, a previous flirtation with Boca Juniors I don't know I think his if I remember rightly from stuff I've read his dad who was a ginger haired left back you can't spot the Scottish connection there can you from his surname um, apparently I think he played for Argentina at national level as well I think if I remember rightly he played for Boca Juniors so that is his club mm. so you can sort of see from that point of view why there's the extra attraction to stay on if he settled I mean he's from there You know, he's from Argentina. Uh, That would be disappointing, but you can understand it. Having said that, so many South Americans are attracted by the Premier League, and it would be a shame not to have a chance to to give it a shot. Maybe we still will. We'll have to see what happens with that. But that's one of the matters that's come up this week. Um, We mentioned Duffy's groin injury, possible problem there. That might be a bit of an issue. So we are looking for replacements, possibly... For uh, him plus another if dunk goes. We've mentioned that really. So I don't think we need to dwell on that too much more. Um, I don't know if you've heard, have you heard any other rumours about the Albion. in terms. Of Not particularly,
1: no. Nothing I mean, much it, going on. There's talk of obviously various mentions of odd strikers here and there. Yeah, I Mids
0: mean, and Chaloff are the ones that keep going yeah. up on social media, aren't they? And no allegedly
1: um, CSK have signed Chalos replacement yeah, yeah, so that could be an interesting one yeah. and there's a, but there's a lot of Premier League teams yeah. interested yeah. so who knows what situation with that yeah. is I mean, and to be honest I wouldn't want to have linked with a striker that there wasn't any interest in because there probably is a reason for that. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: and the other guy I really like—I've mentioned him on the last podcast and um, to friends uh, much, much more often before—Jared Bowen at Hull. He would be great to get mm. in. I understand we might be interested. Um, I don't know if there's any chance of getting him, yeah. but he—he he would be great. If not, we'll have to wait and see what happens over there. Yeah, next the only
1: player I think from the top ten in the top scorers' list the championship last season to still be there. Yeah, so yeah. a lot moved on, like Malpay, McBurney. Yeah. Etc., are all in the or yeah. ones who got promoted with their teams. Hmm. Um, like yeah, I think one or two like uh, Pookie, obviously, got him up, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, he's the only one left, yeah, so
0: he's certainly the man with the strongest portfolio. Those and he's had an even better starch. form this season as well, so yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, hopefully, we can make a bid for him because he's certainly an option. Um, just then, just to speak on the wider issue of transfers, we've seen Tosin go to Palace, that was a player who. Looked quite good. Looked like a good signing when he went to mm. Everton. Um, I think he, a couple of patches he did well, but generally it's not happened for him so far. I don't know if you saw there was a... I think it was a tweet or an Instagram message from about a year ago when he yeah. signed. Palace were apparently interested, and he said, I was going to go there, but I've gone to Everton. I'm glad I went to a bigger club. Much better option for me. <laughs> so how, how does that do you deal so, yourself uh, with I, your new fans? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know how well... Palace picked up against their fans, but they can't be chuffed with that. Can I'm they? not.
1: Over, I'm not. I'm reasonably positive about the, about that transfer, mainly because it means I think probably I won't go back to Palace, mm. and he was did really well for them second half last a good season. For them, yeah, yeah. Um, and if they thought he was the one with a chance, you'd have thought they'd have kept their you know kept out of it until yeah, later yeah. in the window or something like that. So I would say hopefully that means that Batchuai won't go back to Palace, and he did really well for them. Yeah,
0: that's a good point, and on the matter of. That's right. What do you think? if we went for him on loan? Would that be an option? I'd be very happy with that. Yeah. But I
1: think it's very wage wise. It's probably going to be a bit, yeah. a bit high. he's but the
0: kind of striker, isn't he? Yeah. We, we need to fit, fit the bill. But uh, anyway, that was that. I mean, apart from that, we've got Rayner maybe going to Villa. Villa have got a major injury crisis. Yeah. And, um, including goalkeepers now. Pope I think is injured, isn't he? Um, Heaton. Heaton. Sorry, Heaton. Yeah. It's Heaton. Yeah, Pope's at Burnley. I uh, get confused with how many quality <laughs> goalies are on Burnley's books. Joe Hart. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Heaton's injured. They've got a load of other injuries as well, I think. But Rayner, would that be a good move? I you can't have been impressed with sitting in on the 6-1 thrashing.
1: Yeah, well, the key. I, if he signs, and well, I think it sounds like it's quite likely, I imagine he'll start at the weekend because they looked the uh, their keeper was at fault for at least two of the goals like yeah. yeah. I thought yesterday. Looks I never should have been been, been beaten at his near post a couple of times, certainly the first goal I think. Mare's beat him at the near post and there was one other as well at least. So I would I would say that there's a fair chance. Who knows with Rayner, I mean he's he's thirty seven, he's brilliant for Liverpool for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously done okay in Italy generally, but yeah. he's he's thirty seven, something like that now, so how how good he'll be no yeah. doubt he'll be amazing at the weekend if he comes in. and Of course, yeah. Have ma- and then, then it will be terrible against after that. <laughs> Heaton, though, is one I'm not upset that we're not missing out on playing against, because that Burnley game last year, he kept them in it when we should have been yeah. well ahead, and then we ended up losing 3-1. Yeah, and was... he's done it before for Burnley as well. He's, he's, a, he's a brilliant keeper, Heaton. So I'm not disappointed he's out, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a bit, bit, bit of a shame, really, isn't it? But, um, but we feel Villa, they're a funny team, aren't they? They've got a... Um, obviously a high profile as a club they've come back in the league there's a perception automatically they're going to do better than they should do because they're a big club in the media at least I don't think that's the case I think they're a poor team but they have flourishes here and there they have got some good players in there they
1: spent an awful lot of money
0: yeah and it, but they do look like one of the big candidates to go down. Yeah. I mean, to me, they... they they've still lost
1: McGinn and they've lost Heaton, who yeah, are their best players.
0: Yeah. I mean, McGinn, it's been a massive blow for them, yeah. hasn't it? They've really struggled since then.
1: Certainly I based think. on our game up there, that Grealish looked the only really good player on that team. Yeah, he did, there yeah. was no one else, really, who looked a threat. Yeah. And for half an hour, he didn't look a threat until we had, until Moy was sent off, so... I'd say that they look very strong candidates. They they spent a lot of money in the summer, but they, they felt like they bought individuals like Fulham did last season. It yeah. felt a lot like they bought individuals and they also had a quite a lot of lone players they spent quite a lot of money on, like Mings, like others, who had spent quite a lot of money on bringing in. So actually their spend on new players wasn't that big compared to what they, they needed. It was, and it was noticeable yesterday given the, given their striker issues with um, Westley being out for the rest of the season, they started up start front with El Garzi and Grealish, mm. neither of whom are strikers.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's a big issue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, I've mean, i never it's... seen
1: a penalty less well celebrated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is very difficult, isn't it? I mean, if, if you're a Villa fan, you'll probably, uh, some of them are quite brash, but I think in general, I think you'd be quite nervous still, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I agree. Because you can see definitely shades of Fulham from last year. I mean, they they had the same problem, they had a lot of and they had a lot of players that they needed to change around, yeah. and... You can't afford to do that, whereas in contrast, you look at Sheffield United, Absolutely. and they've, they've got, I think, a style that's more assimilatable, that's probably not a word, but never mind, uh, to the Premier League than Norwich's. Norwich's got a good attacking style, they're one of the best teams, yeah. definitely, in the division, and it's entertaining, but that's the sort of team that can get taken yeah. apart more often. And they also
1: weren't helped by a lot of defensive injuries yeah, for quite true. a while, they've had quite yeah. a lot of players yeah. out defensively. Whereas
0: Sheffield United had that nouse about them, they've got that organisational yeah. element which is more or less the stronghold of their I know team. Liverpool's
1: record is ridiculous, but Sheffield Wilder must be a strong the strongest candidate manager of the season. I mean for yeah. overachievement and yeah. Liverpool have won, lot what dropped two points all yeah. season, which is I'd say a, a great probably, record.
0: Proportionally they've done equally well yeah. actually. They're both amazing. And probably Klopp will
1: win it. But
0: yeah, you can't... I mean, so far he's got... Um, we we've, we've
1: can't do much more than win all but one game and draw <laughs> that away to you. Yeah, and arguably uh, we he should it. have
0: won that game as well. But yeah, so that's that's one thing that we'll, we'll see. And obviously we'll, we'll look over the course of time on... Potential relegation candidates, mm. hopefully, as a casual glance over our shoulder rather than as a worry. But we'll see how it goes over time, see how things transfer. I think in the next
1: couple of weeks we'll have more to talk about transfer window wise as well. There's yeah, going to be a, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's going to take off, I would say, probably yeah. at some so, point.
0: And indeed, over the next few weeks, we'll talk transfers week by week. And um, Once the transfer window is over, we're going to talk on other matters as well. I want to talk about the big debate. We're going to have uh, maybe a subject most weeks where we'll talk about something, whether it be racism or homophobia or football, whether it be about the rules, how good or bad they are, and a lot of them aren't great, whether it be about um, whatever other elements. Um, we'll go into those details later as time goes on. But certainly we're going to focus on the transfer period over these next couple of weeks as we continue through January. And in January, we've got some winnable games. Now we've got those tough band of fixtures out of the way. And Everton, which I think was a tricky game as well. We've got that out of the way. We've now got two matches before our next podcast. Uh, Villa at home and Bournemouth away. Um, One of them is the chance to avoid an unlikely and unjustified double being done over us. Because I think we probably should have got something out of Villa, even with ten men. Felt a bit disappointed with that. And Bournemouth, who we could do the double over. um, That would really um, put to bed the Eddie Howe hoodoo, wouldn't it? Because Bournemouth in general we haven't had good results against. In the modern era, the Eddie Howe era, and even when he was at Burnley, he's, he's had the hoodoo over us. And yet, we have actually now won two out of three games against them. We had the cup win last year, and we had the um, home win this season. We could do the double over them if we win We won't that mention game. the game in between. We won't mention the game in between, <laughs> yeah. But what's your take on things here? So we've got, um, obviously we've got Villa first. Um, The head-to-head record isn't great. We haven't played them a huge number of times, to be honest, uh, in our history. Um, The record reads, we've won three, we've drawn seven, and we've lost 13, which isn't great. Uh, We drew the first ever game uh, back in 1955, which was an FA Cup match. Um, We did, however, lose the replay 4-2. We then got two more defeats that followed on in that, I think, in league games. Our first win was the first season in the top flight, 1979-80. So, no, actually, in in April 71, I've got written down here. Um, Anyway, having had a draw at theirs. So, it took a long time. It it took us a number of years to get a win. We haven't had too many since. Um... This season, we've had two games against them. One in the Cup, albeit with a, ske- a sketchy squad. Two games, two defeats. Are we going to turn that round?
1: I think I'd be a lot more confident Saturday if I knew Aaron Moy would be fit. Yeah. I think Saturday, from the sound of it, showed how much we miss him. And especially at home to a team who maybe won't throw men forward or be kind of a bit more a bit more solid and a bit trying to be defensive, especially after what happened yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that Aaron Moy is a very, very crucial part of that team. He's the one who will unlock them for half an hour up there. He was the best pair on a pitch by a distance yeah. until yeah. he got sent off, obviously, which slightly yeah. dampened the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the impact. And whatever the rights yeah. or wrongs of that, yeah. you know,
0: that did make a difference yeah. to the game, didn't
1: it? But I thought for half an hour up, up at their place, we were a better team by a long way. They barely got out of their half. with all the ball, hmm. we got a goal, we had other chances. Connolly had a one-on-one with the keeper, which he yeah. arguably should yeah. have scored. If he had done... Eleven against eleven and two 0 up, suddenly different game, and mm. you know we had a real, you know, real chance of winning that.
0: One, one thing that people haven't mentioned, and I keep, I keep um, championing the cause of this, um, there was the disallowed goal for Villa before they got their actual equaliser. Um, that's been contentious. People were saying that was soft over-protection of Goldie's. you, I think, if I remember rightly, thought it was a foul on the goalie. I,
1: the minute I saw it on a replay, yeah. and even live I thought it looked yeah. like he got up with his yeah. arm a bit.
0: I think I'm trying to be as impartial as I can, yeah. but I do think that probably was the case for me as well.
1: You can't raise your as much as it seems harsh, you can't jump with yeah. the keeper and raise your arm. You look at some of the ridiculously soft fouls where people just let jump with the keeper. Hmm and are given us free kicks. Yeah. And you look at that, and you see Wesley did jump with his arm up, and you can't do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that, that was one thing. The other thing that I was going to say that um, I, I championed the cause of is in the run-up to the goal they did score, the, um, I think it was the equaliser, uh, was it the winner? I can't remember now. There was a foul on Connolly in the Villa half um, that nobody seemed to pick up on. Uh, gradually, that led to um, the goal. And... Yeah, it was greenish goal, Yeah, so you know you could argue that could have been disallowed as well. It depends how far back VAR are yeah. willing to go, and that seems to be a little bit of an ambiguous issue. But I, I yeah. my
1: big issue with VAR is that linesmen and referees seem to have given up making decisions, so they yeah. won't do offside because yeah. they're so well about being overruled. Yeah. And so you can win a corner from a blatant offside. Yeah. And then the goal from the corner will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. When it should have been an offside.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: And, and that's you know it. I mean the. The, there was some stupid sister thing set up by ESPN last week about how to, we were one of the luckiest teams and how we'd have dropped to 19th without VAR. But it ignores goals like the ridiculous goal that Louise scored against us where hmm. somehow the linesman missed. He was like five yards offside from a free kick. Yeah. It's like, that's not lucky. That's just hmm. incompetence from an official.
0: Exactly. And yeah, that would have been given against them. Yeah. yeah.
1: Although whether you wonder whether without VAR would he'd he have put, put his flag, flag up. up. Yeah, he might have. Done. I mean, if you can't spot that offside hmm. from... From a free kick when he's supposed to be standing in line. And again, if Ryan had tipped that over the bar,
0: hmm.
1: we'd brilliantly saved it. When he then conceded from the corner, we'd have conceded a goal.
0: Yeah, that's right. Even
1: though Louis was five yards offside when he, when he had the shot. Yeah, yeah. And it seems to me referees and linesmen have almost given up decisions, making decisions, and just left it to VAR. Hmm. Which means that if something doesn't happen, but then it happens afterwards, it's, yeah...
0: Yeah, there's an issue there, isn't there? There's something yeah. definitely not right, which yeah. needs to be... similar
1: happened in happened. I there a goal that was massively offside, oh, yeah. but was disallowed, and it's like people say we're lucky. It's like, well, no, it was five yards offside. <laughs> it's not lucky. Yeah,
0: it's it's frustration, isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, but that, there we go. But I do think, looking at the game, I thought Villa looked quite a poor side, and they yes, they got into it once they... We had the 10 men. and got Even
1: then we had chances. Montoya, I remember, missing a yeah. really good chance, yeah. like six yards out, when he, when he just kind of poked it straight at the keeper.
0: Yeah, yeah. But having said that they're not that impressive a team, we can't afford to lose three in a row against them. We're at home to them. We need to get some points on the board. I've been happy with the balance of things this season. I do think we, we could look at the games that we played this season. Burnley at home, West Ham at home, Southampton at home, Newcastle away. Uh, there's a couple of other games as well you could you could argue filler the case away, filler away, yeah. you could argue the case that we could have maybe should have as many as 12 points more if we had 12 points more we'd be on 36 points if you halve that let's say for fairness and say we've got we should have got th- six points more than we did um, we'd be on 30 which would be level with Tottenham two behind a very um s- surprisingly good Sheffield United points tally that would have us halfway safe already or more than halfway safe we'd be almost safe um, we, as I said Everton's the only game where I feel that we've got points we didn't deserve um, that's all well and good and I'm happy with where we are I'm happy with the way we're playing the points tally's still fine 24 from 22 isn't it however we do need to make the next 5-6 games count yeah. the rest of the games in January which we've never won a Premier League game in and February yeah. We need to get points on the board, don't we? have got, got very winnable games.
1: four huge games against... I mean, there's only six teams below us, and we're playing four of them in the next four games. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't think there's any, anyone would suggest that that's not an absolutely crucial period yeah, of the yeah, season. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. yeah.
0: I heard rumours as well, um, in terms of we got Villa on Saturday, but after that we got Bournemouth on Tuesday away. Rumours are Eddie Howe potentially could get sacked if he's had poor results in both the weekend game and our game. Um, that would be quite delightful for another it would, people. it would be <laughs> very ironic wouldn 't it yeah
1: after our terrible record against him and he's yeah. he 's always been a little bit smug anyhow i 'm not a smug not, not a big big fan yeah. of him, should we say but um but you can 't question the job he 's done there and this is their first really i mean yeah. we touched on it last week it 's their first really big trouble they 've been the first time they 've really been in big trouble they 've normally if they 've dropped a little bit they 've had a couple of wins and they pulled away and they 've never really that team haven't really got used to struggling at the bottom and to yeah, fighting relegation, yeah. which is a bad thing. That's the test, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because
0: now they're in a position they're not used to being And in. they also
1: don't play a style of play that yeah, suits, suits relegation yeah. fighting. You know, They play a style of play that yeah. suits a lot of teams coming to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the issue Bournemouth have is what do they do if they get rid of Hal? Because, yes, you could bring a Sam Allardyce in there and but their team is not built for him to come in and solidify it and get them 1-0 wins. It's not a team that can do that, probably. Mm. Or if it it will take some work, anyway. Yeah, I
0: think that's a massively important point. And I I really think they might go down this year. I mean, looking at it, you've got to look and think Norwich. I think Villa, maybe. I think possibly... Uh, teams like Newcastle would get dragged yeah. into it. Uh, I think. Burnley, okay. I think Burnley could do. Yeah. Again, it's similar to Eddie Howe at um, Bournemouth, yeah. isn't it? Although their style
1: is more suited to. to st- yeah. Great, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: But they, but those two managers, Howe and 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 Daesh, who've been in the same situations for almost exactly the same amount of time, because Daesh did Yes. Because they swapped, Howe didn't they? they. <laughs> yeah. Well, they swapped. Yeah. Um, more or less. Not swapped. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. More or I mean. less. More or less. Um, those those two are both seen as just um you know fixtures yeah. in the premier league who just do a good solid job and now they've been called into question through yeah. results it'll be interesting to see what happens
1: and the, the big one that's really kind of worried teams I think recently is a form of Watford who yeah. I mean I must admit I was I thought it was a bit random decision to bring in Pearson but he's you yeah. can't argue with how he's turned them round I mean he's got them playing really well yeah. they stuffed Bournemouth away yesterday could have been more from what I heard
0: Quick quick um, word on Southampton on that matter as well yeah. I think I'm I'm not a massive fan of Southampton I don't mind them but they're, they're, there's a bit of a thing isn't there with the coastal rivals but um Hasselbuddl I do like I think he's a really he seems a decent guy he's certainly a good manager and you've, you've got to hand it to him. I mean, they're on 28 points now. They're yeah. looking pretty comfortable for survival, I would say. Yeah, they're halfway and they avenge
1: the 9-0.
0: Yeah, they've avenged... I mean, they've done pretty well since yeah. the 9-0, barring one or two results. They've they've turned it around. And it,
1: it is a lesson sometimes that you don't necessarily need to sack the manager yeah. to turn things yeah. around.
0: And I think if they did sack Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, I think it would be harsh. The job he's done, the bravado with which he's gone about it, even in the promotion season, he put out strong squads went on cup runs, I don't know if you remember, I think they went to the FA Cup quarterfinal or League Cup Mm. quarterfinal the year they got promoted. So they really were ballsy and he's done very well to have them play decent, entertaining enough football and being solid every season. The one time they've got into trouble, there's now talk about possibly a sacking And they
1: have two I'd say they're two key players are Ake and Brooks. And Brooks has barely, hasn't barely has played all season anything yeah, at all. Yeah. He was brilliant last season for Sheffield United. Yeah, good and plan. then Ake has been in and out. He's had injuries. And again, like a, you know superb. And they've they both been out. And they've had a lot of others out as well. Wilson's missed a lot of games. And he's obviously their key striker. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are reasons behind it. It's not just a you know, collapse. Yeah, they've had a lot of injuries. Yeah. And,
0: but, it, but it is about that pressure. We had in season one in the Premier League, uh, a pretty fortuitous season in terms yeah. of injuries, or lack of injuries. Uh, the second season, that's something we didn't mention yeah. last week, was uh, the fact that we did have a yeah. lot more injuries. And I don't think that was the only telling factor. Well, but In a similar
1: connection to so Brooks, Grosh was obviously out for a long period and never yeah. quite regained his form. That's right. And yeah. he yeah. was our equivalent to Brooks, obviously he hasn't got the pace yeah, of it, yes. but in terms of creativity, he was the one.
0: Yeah, I wonder if Eddie Howe, if they go down or they get close to going down, um, if he's not the best option for them to absorb that blow and to come back up, I, I think he'd
1: probably be the best chance. For them to come back up. It's a short at Burnley scenario, yeah. actually, isn't it? Yeah, he,
0: They went down together. They came up together. They've stayed up together. I think, pro- probably or certainly possibly mm. that could be the case with him. I don't see a better option. Yeah.
1: Because
0: he's a manager that could technically be aspirationally looking upwards.
1: Well, I think if you take if you take out the big six, obviously, probably Everton, definitely Leicester now any 12 of the rest of the teams could go yeah. down. Yeah. And it, and three have got to do. Even if every manager was brilliant and did nothing wrong, hmm. three teams will go down. Yeah. And so, you know, it's... A, it's
0: hmm.
1: Yeah, it is what it is. That's, that's always going to
0: happen. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. We've got Villa on Saturday. We've got Bournemouth on Tuesday. So, yeah, looking at the heads ahead, then, for the Bournemouth game coming up, our history in this fixture... Definitely a bit more favourable than the Villa, but uh, not too great still. Fairly even overall. We've had 39 wins. We've lost 43, so slightly behind on that. 29 draws. Um, We lost our first ever game 1-0 in Division 3 South in Dorset in December 1923. (coughs) That's December 1923, if you didn't hear above the (laughs) coughing. Peter, calm yourself. Um, But we thrashed them 5-0. In the return game at the Goldstone's, just seven days later, so mixed fortunes right from the beginning. To be honest, um, well, despite the debacle of last season's, well, collapse wasn't it yeah. at the Amex? It was, yeah. Um, it was an equally galling six-one home drubbing back in February nineteen forty-nine that we well matched that deficit. However, we do in fact hold the record, um, the record win, which was a six-nil win. Uh, well, an annihilation, to be honest, at the Goldstone in April nineteen thirty four. Do you remember that, Peter?
1: I do. I, I thought you we were very lucky, actually. Yeah, they they hit the bar six times, and absolutely. Uh, I yeah. mean, I think Val had just had all six of our goals. They're, so they're pretty you know, good. I yeah. think yeah. It was Who, it, it who's, was. Who's pretty manager
0: Roy Hodgson back then? Probably wasn't <laughs> it?
1: I was. I was thinking more. It might have been uh, <laughs> Sam Allardyce. Actually, well, he could
0: have been, couldn't he? He's been around for or years. Or Alan Pardew. Dinosaur stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, of course, back in those days, in those all of those games. Um, Bournemouth were not AFC Bournemouth. They were Bournemouth and Boscombe FC. Um, they were so embarrassed by that defeat, they changed their name. Yeah, well, you can't blame them, can you? Um, they changed the name out of interest, if anyone wants to know, in around about 1970. So it was fairly recent. I didn't actually, it was a that long, that short yeah, time ago. Because Bournemouth and Boscombe does sound a little bit rhyming Division 1, doesn't it, really? A bit be like the, Brighton and Hove. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> say no more, say no more. So anyway, that was that. Um, so, on... Um, our fortunes against them are quite mixed. This season, we've had, obviously, the one win. We can do the double over them, which will be the first time in quite a while. We, if we do win, given the cup game as well, that'll be three wins in four. Are we going to do that, do you think?
1: It's a difficult one. I think, I don't know, I think, I don't know who's back for Bournemouth, who's likely to be back in that time. If it's the team that turned up at the, Goldston, the, Goldston, at the Apex. <laughs> Same <laughs> Slip of the tongue there. <laughs> um it could well be that we, we can get a result. I'd probably take a draw from that. I'd be hoping to beat Villa, obviously, at home. If yeah. we do that, I think I'd probably take a draw at Bournemouth just to stop them winning. So
0: you'd have the four points from two. Yeah, yeah. and
1: then yeah. if we could get a similar from the next two, yeah. that would really help us. And just going to say that. Yeah. Or even three for the next two. If we lose to one of the... Well, I think West Ham probably aren't going to go down, to so if we were to lose there and beat yeah. Watford, yeah. then I think we'd be reasonably well-placed to stay up. But... As it's yeah. at the moment, it's a, it's a big period coming up the next four games. Yeah, it's and going to be
0: crucial, isn't it? It's a defining period. I mean, the two teams.
1: ends of that are, you know, 24 points from 26 mm-hmm. games with a difficult run coming up or 36 points from 26 games from, yeah. you know, and obviously they're two extremes on that run, yeah, but yeah. either either one would be
0: yeah.
1: huge in terms of... Yeah, that, I,
0: think, I think if we end up in the 30s after that sequence, I think we'll be OK, but we'll, we'll see how it goes, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on just to the final points, a um, quick summary of a few things that have been going on in the football world in general over the last uh, few days. A um, couple of notable points. First of all, um, well, we've, we've had an issue that was covered by Football Focus actually about the betting issue. Um, it's to do with betting companies, I think it, one particular betting company, I don't know who it is, who have got the rights to screen FA Cup games under a new contract as long as you sign up as a member. So that sounds great for people in general, but there's been a lot of furore around this because William, Prince William that is, the one that's still going to be a prince after a few more weeks, um, (laughs) he's he's basically championing a a, a mental health issue uh, cause, men's mental health, I I think it is. And it clashes somewhat with the notion of people... Signing up for betting in order to get access to football—is there an issue there? Do you think it's been a hot topic? I
1: mean, I personally think it's a huge issue. Generally, I think the the fact that betting companies are allowed to sponsor sporting events is quite bad as well. Yeah. Um. You know, kind of the some of the biggest events, um, snooker has been sponsored by. I think by secret by um, betting companies and other other events as well, and it's that's really wrong anyway. From um, but I think it's certainly wrong that you should be encouraging people to, to sign up for a betting company by getting them watch the FA Cup, yeah. especially one of the institutions of British football.
0: Yeah, you know. I mean, is there a wider issue here? Because apparently, there's a stat that says, I think I have read this right that two thirds of um, English professional clubs are sponsored by betting companies. I don't know if that's true or not. Well, as in, in, not
1: like main sponsor, but as in generally in some somewhere, some yeah, Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, does that is that not a, a wider issue as well? I, yeah, does I think
1: it, that's probably equally.
0: Does it familiarise and normalise betting a bit too much?
1: Yeah, although you could argue equally that alcohol sponsoring sporting events is exactly as bad, hmm. and cigarette companies sponsoring sporting events. So, I mean, they. I think a betting company would argue that why should you know cigarette companies and alcohol, yeah. alcohol companies can't be allowed to and not them because yeah. they're equally addictive? Hmm. Um, but I do think you're taking it to a next step when you're saying that you have to sign up for a decking company if hmm. you're going to do to watch something with,
0: with cigarette companies, though. I don't think that's the case anymore, is it? Aren't they oh, they, they've got I a bad, yeah. alcohol yeah. is
1: very prominent in hmm. football and is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Speaking uh, here, official... a bit of beer in my hand. I can say it's... <laughs> we uh... hate the stuff, don't yeah. we,
0: Peter? <laughs> um, but no, official partners of FIFA and Budweiser yeah. and all that sort of thing. But yeah, that's, that's a bit of an issue. But what we want to do over future weeks is to have a big talking point one week yeah. after the other. Um, particularly when we've got less to talk about on the Albion front.
1: And in football, there's always a big issue of the week. Exactly, yeah.
0: So we're going to talk about um, racism, homophobia, that sort of stuff. We're going to talk about betting issues... Men's mental health, mental health in general, um, rule changes, all sorts of other stuff. Besides, that we'll get on to later. In terms of on a happier note, a couple of, um, well, depends if you're a fan of Man United or not. There's a couple of happy notes on the history-making front. Um, Sergio Aguero, who's been in and out of the team a little bit recently for Man City, scored a hat-trick at the weekend. He's now officially the well, the highest-scoring foreign Premier League player in history. Um, he's closing in on the records. I mean, Shearer's going to be hard to catch on 260. Rooney is second place, 208. And I, th- I forgot to check the details, but I think Aguero's on something like 177 goals, I think that it is. About right, yeah. And he's closing in on Andy Cole, I think is the next one in line. So he's in the top three, four or five. Um, pretty remarkable achievement. He's been fantastic, hasn't he?
1: He has been, yeah. He's been one of the, I mean, if not the best hmm. foreign player. I mean, City, to be fair, of Spent a lot of money over the years, but he picked up some of yeah. the best between Silver yeah. and Aguero and over among, the last.
0: He amongst them has been brilliant, and it, it's appropriate and maybe fitting that he was the seminal guy in that first. Yeah, you, first that goal, that, that for the years, drama Martin of that. Tyler, Aguero and all that stuff. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. So that was, that was one big uh, achievement this week. Uh, the other one is that Liverpool have bypassed all other records in terms of, I think it's after 21 games. They've got 61 points, which is too short of a 100% record, the Man United draw being the exception for them. That's the best start after 21 games in, well, should we say, major European league yeah, history? In the top five, leagues, the top five it, yeah. leagues. That's some achievement, isn't
1: it? It's ridiculous. I mean, the irony is you watched City yesterday, and I think on form, they are still the better team than Liverpool. I think they're the better. They're the ones who dominate teams more, they, they but Liverpool have just got results this year. They've they've had games where they've just don't deserve it. There have not been many thrashings. I mean Leicester away is an exception. But really, I mean they've had a lot of games where they could easily have not won or yeah. or, or even lost. And they've just found a way. Yeah. And they've just found away. Which is the mark of challenges? But it's not necessarily something you do so often yeah. to do it.
0: Yeah, and they do score, I mean, it's very resemblant to Man United's dominant era. They do score a lot of goals in late periods of the game, including injury time. Um, I don't know if you call it clock time. It doesn't sound right, does it? It doesn't sound as good as Fergie time. But essentially, it's about concentration, determination, motivation, physical fitness as well, of course. Um, Coaching, just the mentality is just right.
1: And sometimes a bit of of luck as well. That Leicester home game, they got a very, very soft penalty late on. That's right, yeah. You know, and... Mm. They've had other games where they've had. I mean, there was a goal I think Firmino scored against Villa where it was not should have been disallowed and it was yeah. disallowed. So it happens both ways. And not necessarily. I don't think Liverpool particularly had the, the luck of far this season. I think it's just yeah. they've been better than everyone else in terms of consistency. Yeah, and but it, I think City had a better goal difference still, bizarrely, just despite the they fact do. they're a long way behind.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yet it's going to be a procession to the title, isn't it? Yeah, it oh, could be a record early yeah. win as well.
1: I mean, after Leicester lost at the weekend, they'll be I think it's, it 17 points to if they win their game in hand.
0: Yeah, and I think, having had their game rescheduled, the West Ham game, Liverpool, um, I think what that does is it sets up the possibility that if Liverpool keep winning games or drawing games, um, that that record, the 49-game unbeaten run which Arsenal have, which included their invincible mm. season, is, um, is, is I think it's either equaled or beaten on the day that Liverpool play Man City. Oh, that's an interesting one. If... Because the yeah, one they they've matches. lost in yeah, yeah. almost two and years. And it's away, isn't it? Yeah, because so they've that, played them at home. So that's going to be a massive, massive talking point. The, if, the, they've, if they've kept the unbeatable. The interesting
1: well. turnaround for that, that Liverpool game in hand as well is they're at West Ham and that's mm. the weekend... This, uh, the, the, yeah. the the midweek before we play West Ham. Yeah, which is so that's a really fast, positive, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and on a Wednesday as well, so they've only got two and a bit, two and a half days, whatever after that to recover. So yeah, which is fantastic. Yeah, so couldn't have been better timing for us.
0: Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Well, we're conscious we wanted to try and wrap it off within about an hour or so. We have just about done so. So just to finish off, wanted to go through a couple of other bits before we finish. Um, a quick mention for Seagulls Over London. Last week we mentioned we're both on the committee for Seagulls Over London. And we're big advocates of it. So if you are living or working in London, or you can get up to London, and you're an Albion fan, or even someone with just some vague interest in the Albion, which probably means you won't be listening to this podcast, but anyway. Um, we've got a meeting on the 30th of January with Paul Camelin from the club. He's going to be up chatting all things Albion. You're welcome to come along. £5 entry on the day, or £10 if you want to join for the whole of the rest of the season. So please come along to that. They'd be very welcome, when they, Peter? Absolutely. Excellent. Um, we also, as we mentioned, we've got plans to talk about talking points um, and debates on hot topics. We're going to come into that in the course of time, so look out for that in future episodes. And we also want to have a regular update on transfers. Um, we've mentioned the stuff that's up to date for now. We'll see what happens beyond there, But... Stay tuned. We'll carry on chatting away if you carry on listening. We'll probably carry on chatting away if you don't listen, but there we go. (laughs) And we bid you farewell, stand or fall, up the Albion. Goodbye. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.